Hello, welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. And this is Abby Martin. How you doing, Robbie? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, considering the circumstances, um, I, uh, I'm trying to trying to do good, uh, you know, do good or do things that take my mind off it. Uh, even though, you know, it was especially hard at first that I felt really guilty at times. Uh, even making the conscious decision to pull away from it, because when I say it, of course, I'm talking about basically the absolute slaughter that's happening to the Palestinian people right now in Israel. So I can't even imagine what it'd be like for you, Abby, since you actually have connections to people who live there. You 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 speak to them on a regular basis, and um, so I don't know how are you feeling. I mean, I know you said you're you're doing good, but. I am not doing that great because I've made the decision to lean completely into what is happening um, just for the sake of investing every like fiber of my being into learning as much as I can and just being connected and present and making that conscious decision as soon as everything started to shift everything that we were doing into this because the propaganda was so nauseating and so... Um, the firewall was so strong of pro-Israel propaganda. And so I knew just all of our work that we had done on the ground, I knew that we had to cut clips, try to combat some of the talking points that were coming at us because, you know, Israel cares so much about dominating the narrative. And this is like the most important thing possible is to deconstruct that propaganda and try to put out the truth. Um, and that's why they direct everything to an American audience, because it's not even about Israelis, it's about Americans. So it has been extremely difficult, um, especially having moved across country, trying to, you know, deal day to day with the horrors unfolding, the genocide unfolding before our eyes. I mean, just every day waking up and seeing um, an endless amount of injured and dead children. This is the deadliest conflict for children in the world. This is, the, I, I don't even know if there's like anything comparable to this. Like this is, like you just said, it's a, it is a bloodbath. That, that is literally what it is. I, I can't compare this to anything else. You hear people talking about every war in the past couple decades, war like Syria, I mean, there's nothing that has seen this level of slaughter against innocent children. <laughs> um, and that is intentional. So it's been very difficult, not only just because of our personal connections to it, but also, as you mentioned, I have three friends that I am in daily contact with who live there. One of them's son was murdered, Ahmed Artema, the nice. organizer of the Great March of Return. His son was murdered, and he's in the hospital with second-degree burns with his other two kids. The other two friends, I want to have them remain anonymous because Israel's targeting journalists, and they are both journalists, and they they both have said, even just con being in regular contact with me, they think that they have mm -hmm. a target on their back, but they just don't want their names revealed because um, they just don't want to be murdered and their entire families to be murdered. So that's why I'm just trying to relay what they're telling me anonymously. But waking up every day, and, and because you know they're ahead of us, so waking up to them filling me in about what happened the night before, it's just endless atrocities and endless horrors and just an unfolding nightmare day to day. So yeah, it's been really tough. It's been really, really, really tough. Like today was the first day that I even like went and did something for myself. I went and got like my hair done. And just the banal, like 
normalcy of ha trying to have a conversation. I mean, I tried to bring this up, but it didn't do anything. Because uh, it's, like, all I know how to, like, relate to people on. It's just, like, the horror of this. Like, oh, my God, isn't this fucking crazy that this is happening? And it's, like, if I can't relate to someone on that, then I don't know what to say at this moment in time. And my only concern is why is everyone not completely emotionally distressed and and just completely overwhelmed with, like, grief right now? Yeah, I mean... I think it really speaks to the levels of sophistication, not just sophistication, because I guess to people like us who have been in this space for a long time and have been looking at media and trying to deconstruct it for a long time, to us it seems like rather obvious and sometimes even cartoonishly obvious propaganda that's being put out to try to you know, get people on board with what Israel's doing. But I think that it's also speaks more in some ways to the level of like what's what we are underneath our facade of being like these civilized you know intelligent educated measured people where that's there's a button on a lot of people not just in this country but all over the world that if you were if you push that like reptile brain button and make people feel that there's some kind of enemy or someone that's beneath human to you you know, we see all this talk about how Palestinians are animals, uh, et cetera. I mean, it it seems to be really playing into that. Um, and of course, the 9-11, you know, echoes that we were talking about from before. But it is, it is weird. I mean, I'm, you know, I think I'm probably most, sometimes even more disgusted by people who like act like there's not really a good side and they kind of still act like neutral on it. Like, to me, sometimes that is almost crazier to me than, like, the full-throated, you know, pro-Israel support. But, I mean, it's all disgusting. It's all shocking. Um, and, of course, I guess the only silver lining to it is now we don't have to argue with people. And I say silver lining. I just mean, like, how the media space has shifted. Like, we don't have to argue with people anymore about the right or the MAGA movement being, like, anti-war, anti-neocon. Like, that's pretty much put to bed really quickly over this, that, like, <laughs> every single one of them is, like, just coming full out, full-blown, like, you know, Islamophobe, like, Bush-era acting. So, um, I don't know, Abby. I mean, yeah. do you have anything more to to say about what we just touched on, or should we just uh, get into it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I all the, before... yeah, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren Boberts and all the foaming at the mouth neocons who pretended to be on the good side of the Ukraine war and somehow hoodwinked a hell of a lot of people have completely ripped off their masks and are now just the full Islamophobes that they always have been. And I, I don't think there is any going back after this because this could spark a, a huge regional war. I mean, the threat of like World War Three is just as great um, with what is happening right now. And they seem to have no problem with that. I mean, on top of the fact that they just have bloodlust and genocidal aspirations to just wipe out all Arabs. But I mean, on top of that, it's like, they don't care about this turning into like a huge war. Well, that's absolutely right. Because they know that they're really holding the fates of, of like that situation in the balance to a large degree, you know, everybody has put all this focus on the Russia and Ukraine situation. And that became sort of almost like a rallying 
cry anti-war talking point with that's like that specific region where it's like we do you want world war three then like mm-hmm, don't support mm-hmm. ukraine and and it's just because russia was involved and it's almost like i think it plays into sort of like the cold war fears about nuclear exchange but it really does seem like i mean israel has nukes i mean that's that's not right. obvious to all of our listeners already that needs to be said again and that they've been threatening uh to basically attack and start wars with and they have attacked and done things in other countries that surround them continuously even though our media lens makes it seem like it's always like Iran like i don't mean again i got to mention this cuz i I, I forgot to write it in the notes, mm-hmm. but we can't forget that in the first 24 hours of the October 7th Hamas incursion or whatever you want to call it, the official line was that it was Iranian-backed, that mm. it was an Iranian-launched uh, like attack on Israel. And for some reason, that messaging got changed, just similar to how on 9-11 the very first quote-unquote claim of responsibility was for a Palestinian group, the DFLP, even though it was a complete hoax, and later in the day it sort of shaped into bin Laden being the culprit. But it was, it, I mean, we can't forget that that's, Israel is always trying to fuck around with trying to start shit. I mean, that's undeniable. They they were part of Stuxnet. Uh, apparently Israeli intelligence was also part of assassinating or they were behind largely assassinating all those nuclear scientists, car bombing them in Iran. Um, you know, Netanyahu has been lying about the whole time that their nuclear capabilities. And then they've also been doing things across their borders seemingly since this conflict started too. So, you know, this idea that Russia was expansionist and, you know, going into Ukraine, it's like, well, it does seem like Israel has like no respect for like, the Syrian border or like the, you know, Lebanese territory or anything like that either. So um, I think that's a really important point that this could, that Israel does seem crazy enough to drag a lot of other like world powers into a World War Three scenario. And you know? yeah, I mean, they are a nuclear armed power. They are fanatical enough to fulfill their goals. I mean, they, they continue to stake claim in the greater Israel territory, which is beyond the borders of Lebanon and Syria. That is why they continue to defy their sovereignty and they continue to try to bomb and occupy those regions. So that that is happening. And you see Israeli commanders like gleeful about this saying, we are going to take Beirut because they want it back, dude. They are so mad that Hezbollah kicked them out when they previously occupied Lebanon, just like they mm-hmm. want Gaza back. And that, that's what they're doing. I mean, it, it's so crazy to see John Kirby and all these U.S. officials just completely deny reality. It's like, nope, Israel just wants to wipe out Hamas. Nope, Israel's not trying to commit genocide. Nope, this is an ethnic cleansing. And then you look at Israeli media and it's just like Israeli official after Israeli official saying, we are committing ethnic cleansing. This is the second Nakba. We're going to take the Lebanon. It's like, why are you guys pretending? I mean, this is this is so insulting to our intelligence that you are pretending like this is something that it is not when Israeli officials aren't even pretending. So why are you? That's what's very fascinating. And, and I wanted to toss this to you before we, because we really haven't even gone into our, some of our things, topics we're going to discuss yet. But this, you know, we haven't really seen, I mean, it's not, it's not even really an important thing. It's more of like a magazine column you know, thing where it's like, 
at what point do you feel, Abby, because I feel like it's already pretty clear at this point, do you feel the Biden presidency actually reached a clear tipping point of being markedly worse than the Obama administration? Yes. Because like, I feel like this was the really the, the clearest moment you could have. I mean, the, since yeah. October 7th. Like, yes, yes. And I think that this this sealed his loss 100%. He, there's no way he's coming back from this. He has, I've, I've seen so many interviews, so many polls, and just the fact that Gen Z is now instigating the biggest anti-war presence in the streets since the Iraq war. I mean, th this is defining his presidency, that he is genocide Joe, and this is the red line for Arabs and Muslims in this country. And he doesn't seem to care about that, but I think that is absolutely going to seal his fate, and he's going to essentially just pave the way for Trump 2.0. It's crazy that this has happened. Um, I think if Trump were president right now, nothing would be different other than the mask of humanitarianism would be dropped pretty quickly, and maybe liberals would be mad, Robbie. Maybe people would be more mad. Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to Israel, because remember that yep. random... Uh, thing that when CNN and, and some of the other mainstream media networks were covering the embassy move, it was simultaneously happening with the Great March of Return, like the, the mm -hmm, embassy, mm -hmm. like commencement ceremony or whatever, were, mm -hmm. not commencement ceremony. Yeah. My, remember ceremony. Barry Weiss said they planned it? They planned to oh, throw yeah. all the human shields up there so then it could be a split yes. screen of Ivanka Trump, like looking like yes. she's at a country club with, with poor, desperate people dying in Gaza. Mm -hmm. It was all planned. Yes. Yep. That was I forgot about that. So, given that that was the, the that was the, uh, I mean, so yeah, it's pretty. Um, I don't remember what I was gonna say. But, Just that that Trump like they almost like criticized that because of how crazy of a move that was, but like now they're just totally. Yes, yeah, it's exactly. like the red carpet's just laid out for Biden, and no one questions all this shit. It was almost like because Trump was so reviled and so hated by so many media networks and people that it like bled over into like opening the door for criticism of Israel mm -hmm, for mm -hmm, that time period. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to go into a little later how interesting it is that, you know, what it's actually like to watch mainstream media right now, just sit down and like watch TV. Cause I don't even know if you've done it. You know, I kind of avoided doing it when this all started just because I knew it would be awful, but it was kind of fascinating for a few reasons, which I'll, breakdown later but mm. um i guess let's start with this you know this may be a more obscure thing that's going around but i i find it especially interesting that this is a propaganda method that is being used and is creating all these sort it's creating like a rumor mill or it's helping perpetuate a rumor mill of whispers of this secret footage this unshown footage that you know, makes it so clear to the world now of what the Israelis are up against and how horrific and barbaric Hamas actually is. And Abby, I'm sure you've seen some things about it. I've been seeing it on and off, mostly on Twitter, where you keep seeing people saying, we've gone to, or I I was invited to one of these IDF private screens of the footage and I'm not going to be able to sleep for weeks. It's so much worse than they've said. Uh, the world needs to see this. This will change everybody's opinion about what's happening in the in the country. This is so horrific. You can't even believe what they're showing, Abby. Um, and what I'm talking about is basically the IDF 
has organized all these private screenings all across the United States. Maybe some of them happen in Europe as well. I think Gal Gadot actually hosted the first really big one that happened like a few weeks ago in D.C. But this is a, these are screenings held by the IDF claiming to show like atrocities committed by Hamas, Abby. And interestingly, quite interestingly, they are only privately inviting journalists in instead of basically like inviting just the press at large and being like, we want you to come. This is like a press conference we're holding where you can come see this footage. It's too gruesome to send to the media, but we want you to come see it and write about it. No, they're not doing that. They're selectively inviting certain journalists, right? So that's the first major red flag. The other major red flag is why wouldn't they release this footage if it is this horrific? Like, is, are they, you know, what would be their rationale? They're claiming it's too horrific to give to the press. So apparently the press who's there or invited there are given a piece of paper uh, before the screening, essentially describing what they are being shown includes uh, in this piece of paper descriptions of child mutilation committed by Hamas. Now, Abby, I don't know if you wanted to comment on this before, before I continued, but what have you heard about this and what is your just initial reaction to this? Because this is not like new news that's this has been happening. They've been doing this for a few weeks. Well, I think it's important to talk about what has come out about October 7th as well, because it's all folded into this new rebrand. Well, let's also talk about how uh, Harats, uh, a you know, famously mostly pro-Israel newspaper, revealed that IDF um, ammunition is what is what actually killed a bunch of the people at that concert as yes. well. So that's been confirmed now. Yeah, so but, Apache helicopter pilots, those mm-hmm. pilots were just aimlessly blowing people away, thinking that they could have been Hamas fighters. It was completely indiscriminate, just shelling of just civilians running away at the at the festival. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, so that's an unknown amount. We have no idea how many people were gunned down by by pilots in, in the IDF. Another really interesting revelation that came out, I forget where it was. It was on U.S. corporate media. I think it was like an Israeli official who just um, admitted that, and it was in the context of like, we're better than them because we can admit our mistakes. And they were just like, what mistakes are you talking about? It was actually to Mehdi Hassan. And he yeah. was like, well, we admitted that we, in so many words, we we found out that, you know how they said that there were like tons of people who were just like burned in their cars and like the homes were completely yes, burned to the yeah, ground and people were like, oh my God, all the Hamas fighters just like burn people to death, burn people alive in their homes and how crazy. And then yep. you saw the destruction and it looked honestly like a war zone. It was like, wait yeah. a minute, how did Hamas fighters- It looked like the highway of death it in did. Iraq. It did. Yeah. And it was like, wait a minute, how did Hamas fighters with like, like basically just like machine guns and grenades do this? Like this is yeah. nuts. And then yep. you realize through the admission of this IDF official that they actually shelled with tank rounds into yeah, they weren't... buildings oh, oh, you mean... and cars. So you mean they didn't just only shoot from Apache helicopters? They also had tanks on the ground shooting rounds? Yes, Robbie. And guess how many wow. people they Holy killed? Shit, dude. They burned at least 200 people. This way. Wow. Okay, so remember the death toll changed from 1,400 to 1,200 kind of quietly? Wow. That was because, according to this IDF guy, Holy that death shit. toll was 
1,400 and then 200 of the people they thought were Israelis were really fighters, they claim, were Hamas or, or other armed resistance fighters, which means, in so many words, that means that they, that they were indiscriminately shelling homes and cars with tank ammunition because if they didn't know off the bat and if they killed Hamas people, well, Hamas people aren't going to kill themselves, right? They're not going to burn themselves. Yeah. So who did that? So they they at least killed 200 people, burning them with the indiscriminate rounds that they were shelling, and possibly hundreds more. We do not know. I mean, it's it's really disturbing when you actually, you know, you, you ask the question to yourself, is that part of an actual, what is a traditional IDF strategy that IDF soldiers have described themselves where there is like a policy that's been, you know, discussed and pushed sometimes in the IDF where if you kill the hostages, like on our side, if you kill our guys that are being held hostage, it's actually just better for us. Yes, because like, there's no negotiating it helps our, tactic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that is a tactic that has been admitted to. So it really does make you wonder if this is just like, well, why wouldn't, you know, if we, you know, whatever civilians die in this, we could just, just say blame it was on Hamas. Hamas. Because this is was an egregious, uh, you know, at, Hamas really got one over on us. But let's just really quickly, I just want to mm -hmm. say, the only real things I think we can really say for sure that happened, that Hamas did, was they kidnapped people, mm -hmm. they killed some settlers, they, they went and sieged some settlements and settlers' homes. And beyond that, I don't really think that there's any of the claims that that came out originally hold up to scrutiny now that there was anything happening like gang rape or mass rapes or, you know, I'm not saying that nobody at all got raped that, I mean, maybe that happened at some point, but the idea that they were all the ways they were trying to push these talking points at the beginning are, simply just seem false now in retrospect. And there's not, they're not even, and interestingly, Abby, they're not even trying to like argue be, be being like, no, actually, Hamas did like just, you know, basically did like an ISIS attack on this music festival. They're not even trying to to prop that up anymore. So I think that that says a lot in of itself. But yeah, and Haaretz also, this is why Israel's really mad at Haaretz and they're actually threatening to pull their funding. I guess they fund a little bit of Haaretz. And because Haaretz released this investigation, admitting that yeah. the Apache helicopter pilots fired on the festival, they also admitted that Hamas didn't know about the festival. That's also now totally an understood oh, wow. fact. And so Israel's really mad because that, you know, that doesn't really fall in line with like this was a targeted attack of, on a big civilian party and like yeah, against like rave goers. Yeah. ISIS style attack. Mm -hmm. They wanted to link it to the Batlakan mm -hmm. ISIS Paris shooting, yeah. which I don't even frankly know how they attributed ISIS to that attack. It was a really crazy attack. And, and by all accounts, it was everything that, you know, the official reports say it was. And, and but this, there's, you, there's nothing about this. They're, they're making the hostages, you know, the rallying cry. Mm -hmm. You would think on some level, they would also make it be like, say their name. These were like these, you know, these, these uh, young kids that were just trying to enjoy a party you know, and, and get down and, and dance, like say those people's names, but yet you, they really don't hear that. And I think that that says a lot 
too. It's not like that wasn't even really like pushed that hard even at the beginning. Like the you know her, it was just about that one girl who they were claiming was uh, being paraded around on the truck, which I don't know if that was confirmed or not. Maybe it was, but I wanted to start this podcast by, yeah, by talking about how obvious of a propaganda move this is for the IDF to be doing these select screenings uh, of footage that they're not releasing, claiming that show that prove Hamas atrocities. Now, there's people on Twitter I saw, you know, I described some of their reactions earlier that this will change the world's opinion. These are the most horrifying videos I've ever seen. Another guy on Twitter who was uh, privately invited to one of these screenings posted a picture of an empty, like, um, look like a whiskey glass that was empty. And he just said, like, uh, I'm speechless. I have so much, so many thoughts and so many emotions. I feel empty. How could humans be capable of something this horrifying and then it like the picture was just like a top view of like an empty like booze glass. So that's that's the kind of stuff we're getting. And it kind of reminds me in a way of like kind of QAnon style rumor mongering or trying to stoke the flames of like rumors, you know, insinuate things without really saying what you're seeing. You know, it's almost like, you know, when you hear like, for example, like Tim Ballard and, and Jim Caviezel talking about these child sex trafficking uh, things that they've seen. They talk about how they'll never be able to unsee these things and it, it changed them as people and all this stuff. And it's like, well, what do you, what do you, what did you see? I mean, exactly. I'm not saying that the, maybe that's a bad comparison, but, but I'll just, I'll just end with this because I thought that this was interesting. So I put out a call to my followers. Has anybody seen anything specific that any journalist who's been invited to any of these screenings has said about the videos uh, because apparently, and I don't know if this has been confirmed, that the IDF is at also asking the journalists not to speak specifically about what's in the footage, Abby, either. So they want to generate all this emotional um, sort of outrage for these journalists, but they're not. But they're telling them not to even describe exactly what's happening, which kind of also could act could work as a propaganda Hasbro tool because we've heard all these. Rumors that have been swirling this whole time that they beheaded babies, that they extracted a a, a child, like a, a baby from a woman's fetus, they cut it out of her. So you can almost like imagine, like I could see certain people hearing about these screenings and being like, oh my God, are they showing the, you know, these videos of, of Hamas just mutilating a mother's womb and taking the baby out of her? Like, what are they showing? You know, there's like a horror movie allure to the, that method of, asking the journalist not to talk about it. But then I'll, I'll just end with this part. A journalist, somebody finally pointed me towards a journalist who was there who actually posted something critical initially. They said, uh, I saw the footage. I went to one of these screenings and I was basically asked not to talk about what's in the footage and that why aren't they just showing this footage? The guy was saying, yeah, some of it's awful and it's like some of it's really hard to watch, but this does seem like the IDF is trying to get like maximum propaganda out of this by not showing it. And after he said that a ton of people started going at him who were like, I was there. You're what are you like? Oh, you, so now you think that the Jews are evil and all this shit. Like people were just like piling on him. Some of them who were there and in an exchange between someone who was also there and him, he specifically said that, you know, I got this piece of paper at the, during this footage that said from the IDF that said this was portraying child mutilation done by Hamas. 
So that's a pretty strong claim to see. You're you're about to basically watch a video of children being mutilated, right? That's a fucking crazy thing. So he was like, the only the footage in the the video that I think they were talking about was a Hamas soldier uh, throws a grenade into a house. It's like a helmet cam, combat cam. And then once he goes inside the house, a boy, seemingly an Israeli boy who lived inside the house, is saying that he can't see. Now, apparently the Hamas fighter then drinks a Coca-Cola out of the fridge. That, according to these, this exchange between these two journalists, is the quote-unquote proof of Hamas mutilating children for like what their like literature says that they passed around for this video. Now, Abby, isn't that interesting that that is the only specific description so far? And I'm not saying it's good if a Hamas fighter like blinded a kid. And we, first of all, we don't even know if that's what happened. That's just the kid in the video seems distressed that he can't see. Maybe he was a maybe he could see because the the light from the blast. Maybe he fucking maybe he was blind. But child mutilation. Does that fall under any traditional definition or how one would understand if someone told you that Hamas is mutilating children? No, I, I would have assumed that it would have been like a, a beheaded kid based on all the propaganda yeah, that we were being told. Exactly. And that, and that story of the grenade and then yeah. the Hamas fighter calling his mom and saying, I killed five Jews, those are the mm-hmm. only horrifying stories, right? Like I, you know, they're they're not they're not justifiable. Like I can't sit here and apologize for those things or justify those things other than the fact that I think referring to Jews just means Israelis because their colonizers wear a giant star of David when they're doing all these crimes against them. So I don't really necessarily think anti-Semitism is the root of any of this. Um, But I, those two stories are the only stories that I've heard come out. And I have seen journalists Maybe it was before Israel said, don't talk about what's in this footage. But I did see like a Guardian journalist and some other person at one of the screen, one of the many screenings that they're showing this footage, carefully doctored video footage put together by the IDF, the most untrustworthy entity in the world. Um, far more untrustworthy than You're even our the government. footage that's been shown. Yeah, at yeah. The like this carefully curated alleged helmet cams from the Hamas fighters. I, that those two stories, those two stories are the only things that I have heard that constitute Hamas atrocities, as the grenade story and the okay, guy t- calling his mom. One more? Yeah, yeah. That just bothered me personally because yeah, yeah. it made me sad. Was Hamas did shoot uh, Israeli settlements like guard dog when they were attacking uh, settlements? <laughs> That's the, but that the but to say those are like the three only atrocities that I that we can actually speak of that are like filmed it's pretty wild compared right. to what Israel has right. been claiming this whole fucking time right i mean right. they've been going balls to the wall on what they've been saying is happening yeah at first when i heard Meanwhile, these screens there's a, were there's going on i was 10 like 10 dead kids a day yeah, no 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 like going a, no, like 100 no 100 100 palestinian children are dying a day over 100 kids are being murdered a day yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the foot, and that's why, okay, every Israeli accusation is actually an admission. That is what I've learned probably the most out of the last seven weeks of watching all this unfold. The, the baby. Describe the, what that means. Okay. Cause that's, it means that everything that they accuse Palestinians of doing, they are admitting to have done. So I'll give you two examples in the last seven weeks that directly apply to what we're talking about. 
the ripping the baby out of a pregnant woman's womb. That actually happened in a massacre of Palestinians. But that happened. Okay. Here's another thing that happened. Yeah. Barry Weiss was all over Twitter trying to like basically get this one Palestinian guy murdered in Gaza who made a joke about another fake propaganda claim that they threw an Israeli baby in an oven. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Barry Weiss was... Who did... Were they talking about the claim that came out of like the October 7th? Yes. Yes. That attack. they threw a baby yeah, in the okay. oven and it was crazy. Oh my God, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Just like the beheading babies thing. I mean, who could ever do such a thing? And so this guy yeah. joked around in Gaza. He was like salted or fried, like said something about like shaken or stirred, like just mocking uh-huh. the claim because yeah. it was so outrageously yeah. false. And Barry Weiss put him on blast essentially just point everyone you know pointing to him being like look at the horrifying like look at this horrible person joking around about the atrocities that Hamas committed and it was mm-hmm. like okay so you're basically trying to get this guy murdered but also let's look at the actual claim actually israeli soldiers did that to a palestinian child again wow this is something that happened this is in a documentary i actually watched um I forget them. Again, there's so many like prominent massacres, but this was a Palestinian guy just testifying to what had happened where the Israeli soldiers actually threw the baby in the oven. And, and first they tried to force him to do it. It was like Sophie's choice. Every accusation is an admission because every day babies are being beheaded by bombs. And it's that Sam Harris argument. Well, it's different, Robbie, when Hamas intends to kill civilians, whereas Israel doesn't intend to kill civilians. They just happen to kill a lot of civilians. So fucking fucked up, dude. You know, we don't... It, it's like then you see the you see the both... Talking out both sides of their mouth. I mean, you see some of these hardcore Zionists saying that, which I guess, according to them, makes it, them seem more measured. But then you also see other people being like, no, we literally need to kill their children. Because they're literally being raised to kill, hate us. Like that, that's what people don't, I don't think people talk about this enough, that what fuels a lot of this is intermixed with Zionism. Like Zionism used to be at least a very specific non-religious destiny belief system. But now it's tied together with like people who essentially propagandize Jewish youth, like it's done in a lot of synagogues, even in the United States, to make them feel like it is their duty to basically preserve the Jewish race because they're in danger from all these forces that are basically trying to do another Holocaust. And the answer to doing that is by supporting Israel. I mean, that, like, that's, that is the line. And that's why the birthright trips exist. That's why all that shit exists. And, and at the fundamental level of that, it's basically also about, yeah, they're literally have to keep a population under control where their children are raised to want to wipe them out. Like these Palestinians will do a Holocaust on them. That is what these people are fed. You know, that's only giving an excuse to like the secular Jews who become pro-Israel in the United States. But like, there's really almost less of an excuse, I think, for like just regular like boomer liberals or these like liberals you know, we know the Democrats are in the pocket of like the Israeli lobby and how tight and all that stuff is, but it's talking about just like regular people. So I don't know. I mean, you seem really confident earlier that Biden was definitely going to lose now, partly because of this tipping point. But do you think that a lot of those like boomer generic liberals even, I mean, they'll still stick by him, right? Because they're not going to 
vote for Trump over this. By the way, the and some of them the actually Israeli, support Israel. The Israeli soldiers that um, that cut open the Palestinian woman and took the fetus out. That was in 1982, the Sabra and Shatila massacre. And this is totally admitted. I mean, I tried to look this up as we were talking, and it's like so flooded mm-hmm. by fake that fake story of the Hamas. And then, and then so it's overshadowed wow. the actual story that really happened. Fascinating. Yeah, so this is a real so just thing. just pulling out everything. Oh, yeah. Why do you think it's almost like, I'm not going to say Freudian because that's not the right word to use, but do you think it's some kind of like unconscious thing that every admit every um, accusation is an admission or do you think that there is some purpose to it being like, why don't we just say <laughs> they did the same thing we did so that like if people look the shit up online, <laughs> it'll just like be flooded with like the, the thing we said. Right, no, it's like, it, it is fascinating, to- <laughs> dude. It's like the worst possible things you can think of and then they just did it. It's like, yeah, it really is true. Um, I do think uh, that, I think that Gen Z is not, not necessarily Gen Z, but I mean, millennials came out in droves to help solidify the midterms because of the Roe v. Wade overturn. I really do think that. And you look at the voting blocks of who came out and, and really came out in droves for Democrats. And that wasn't because they liked Mm -hmm. Biden. And that wasn't because they were happy with the state of things. It was because I think they were terrified of Republicans and they wanted to show a strong message to the fact that Republicans just took away our reproductive rights. So yes, I think that that is the most essential voting block to maintain is the anger and outrage from Gen Z and millennials who were really moved the needle. And so to see that same contingent be out there doing direct actions, doing protests every single day, I can't even keep up. It's incredible. Like the Macy's Day Parade yesterday, people glued themselves to the street. That was insane. I I mean, this is incredible what's going on. I mean, I've done two sit-ins. I was so pissed because Ahmed Artema, the guy who's the organizer for the Great March of Return, his son was murdered, 10 years old. His son is fucking murdered, okay? He's sitting in the hospital with second-degree burns with his other two kids. My other friend, two journalists who have to remain anonymous because they're scared of getting targeted and murdered by Israel. One of them's two brothers have been murdered. His house has been demolished. And the other one homeless, houses demolished, can't go back. So yeah, I'm fucking pissed and I don't know what to do. And so I just went to my representative's office and I just started yelling. And it's like, I, it makes me feel so good when I see that other people are just as mad and they are just doing whatever they can to, to draw attention to this because people may get pissed that protesters shut down the Bay Bridge and that incredible action, like 80 people threw their keys in the Bay. Mm-hmm. And Which is I mean, it's insane. And it's like, yeah, that may have inconvenienced people, but like, this is what we are forced to do because the news isn't doing their job. And so we are forced to take dramatic actions to shed light on the genocide. And it's incredible what people are doing. I'm, I'm so thrilled to see people like putting their jobs on the line like lives on the line i mean going and like trying to shut down weapons factories this shit is crazy yeah, that dude was pretty impressive too yeah and then did you see that We've other guy really be like robbie anything. it's really this is a really dangerous um environment of anti-semitism when you're shutting down a jewish owned factory not mentioning yeah, the fact yeah, that yeah, it was elbit systems <laughs> that was amazing yeah that was amazing dude people are really they're really desperate. I mean, that's one of the, actually the only positive thing I could say is that it does seem like not just the amount of energy that you're talking about, but how the propaganda just does not seem to be working like it used to. I mean, 
there are people who will always be in the bag for Israel, but it really does seem like they're they're really desperate. Well, did you see that guy? That um, and yeah, and I think it's the desperation is leading to some really ugly things that it's not just the Trump people who are ripping their masks off. It's liberals and it's the Obama officials, baby. You saw that guy. Oh my God. You saw that guy who, and let's look up his name really quick. If you could find it. He was a consultant. um, Yeah. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Here, I'll find it right now. He was a consultant for the Obama administration um, who also has advised a bunch of other administrations on subjects such as the, uh, relations between uh israel and palestinians okay so his name's stuart seldowitz and just for anyone who hasn't seen this video there's a compilation of different videos it must just be his like favorite pastime to go to halal vendors in new york city and tell them that muhammad's going to rape their daughters and that they're going to mutilate their kids and that four thousand dead palestinian children isn't enough that's what he likes going and telling muslim street vendors in new york um, and so it turned out first, it was revealed that he was like an Obama advisor and everyone was like, holy shit, this was like a liberal guy in the Obama administration. And then Robbie ding, ding, ding. He actually was one of the architects for like Israel, Palestinian affairs. He was actually in the U S state department's office of Israel and Palestinian affairs during like the Oslo Accords. <laughs> That's oh, fucking nuts, like man. this is these are the guys, dude. This is the guy telling Palestinians that he's for peace. Can you imagine? It's it is unimaginable, but it's like it also just goes to show how much you know. And I'm not. I, I don't want to get into this mm-hmm. exactly, but just how cucked Obama was, and then wasn't necessarily. You know, especially when I said this marks the turning point where now the Biden presidency is worse than Obama, it's because Obama actually did seem to pull back, like in terms of like their sort of like goodwill towards Israel and their behavior and their rhetoric, instead of doubling down on all of the Israeli rhetoric, which is what the Biden administration is doing. Like defending, like you asked, like why would they even defend that when it's just blatantly not true? Like they're basically towing the line so hard that it is it's almost shocking to me i'm not saying that i expected biden to be you know an anti-zionist but it's surprising because even obama was able to stand up to like netanyahu and the likudniks a little bit Mm -hmm. in ways that seem to really like splash back on u.s israeli relations which is kind of interesting to look back on but it makes me wonder what's actually going on. I mean, I'm not suggesting that Israel has some kind of, you know, blackmail power over the current administration, but you do have to wonder what is it about this administration that is doing that to such a level that they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've expected at least Biden to tow the same sort of middle of the road democratic politics or maybe even continue a lot of the obama politics that we saw before but this definitely seems like a more hardcore and irregular stance and it is uh it is very interesting and i even though i even though i'm saying that david pakman actually was celebrating the amazing job uh that joe biden did recently 
on being able to even get a ceasefire and being able to help get the hostages released. And you're just going on and on and on about how much of a fantastic job Biden is doing. And I just thought it was wow. almost comical because it's like, do you, do you not realize how much of like a hardcore insane Zionist you are for saying that shit? Oh my like, God, what? dude. Are you serious? It was, it was more to find out. Yeah, I'm serious. It was fucking nuts. And it's dude. also, this isn't a ceasefire. It's a four day pause where people are, I mean, what, what even is this? Like, like this is, this is all in Israel's favor. Like Palestine gains nothing from this other than 250 people that should never have been detained. Like, can we talk really quickly about what exactly is happening right now? Cause it is actually nuts to go back to this guy who was harassing halal vendors in New York. He got arrested for a hate crime. Unbelievable. Like absolutely amazing job. Everyone who docks this asshole Go support the vendors that he was harassing. This guy's a monster. This guy is a monster. And they hate us. They hate us. This is how liberals feel, dude. Scratch a liberal and there's a fascist underneath. And this guy perfectly exemplifies that. He wasn't just a random Obama guy. He was working in the department for peace between Palestine and Israel. Yeah. He hates, yep. hates Arabs. Um, and he was proud to say that on camera. I mean, he wasn't even wearing a mask or anything. So anyway, other than that good news that he was arrested and he's like smiling when he's getting dragged out in handcuffs, it's insane. Um, but other than that, let's talk about the low-grade propaganda effort from Israel about their war on hospitals and juxtapose that with what, what the most current news is, which is at the time of this recording, Friday, November 24th, this morning, Hamas released 25 hostages Um and Israel is claiming that they are going to release 250 um, of their hostages. So some some people may wonder, oh, wait, Israel had hostages? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Israel has hostages, thousands of them, because they have something called administrative detention, where they have, they're one of the only countries, if not the only country in the world that has military tribunals for children as young as three years old where they basically hold kids, thousands of kids through the West Bank especially, just arbitrarily detain them for six months at a time and then renew the detention with no trial, no jury. It's just a military court. Wow. And they detain, I mean, they arrest kids for throwing rocks and they'll put them in jail for 25 years. Wow. That's a law. So yes, the this is fascinating because you look at the actual hostages of the 300 prisoners that Hamas is asking to be released, 270 are children. 270 are children. 21 of those are accused of throwing rocks. 233 of the 300 have not been convicted of anything. They've been arbitrarily detained for years and years under this crazy administrative detention thing where they have no trial or anything and they're just sitting languishing in jail. Wild. Yeah, so that so those are the hostages, and so um, they, and Israel can just go and round up the same exact people. They can release these mm-hmm. for a show of PR, and then they'll just round up either another three hundred kids or the same people in some punitive, you know, thing or whatever. I mean, they can do whatever they want. They control everything. So it's crazy. I mean, how much Israel's gaining from this? They're and 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 again, this deal is something that Hamas offered like a week in to the bombing. They said we will release all foreign or uh, all foreign hostages or something for a 5-day pause. Um and Israel just continued to relentlessly bomb them for the subsequent, you know, 
several, several weeks, heavily bombard the entire area, killing thousands more kids, and then finally just agreed to the exact deal that Hamas offered originally. So none of these people had to die before they got those 50 hostages back. But yeah, it's really insane when you realize, like even just that fact alone should make people step back and be like, wait a minute, this is crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and then the the thing I see going around in regards to that uh, the most, and I probably just see it because I follow a lot of right-wing accounts, but it was basically saying, oh, uh, look at... um, you know, look at what one of these uh, these supposed hostage children uh, actually did. He tried to stab a, you know, like a IDF soldier or something, and they were basically making it seem in the same way that like the right wing does, like with Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm, where they kept mm-hmm. showing him with that picture of that selfie with the gun to make him seem like he wasn't a, literally a child, which he was. <laughs> so it's like the same similar thing where it's they're not talking about what you just said; they're just like taking an individual example. And making it seem like it was like a Hamas suicide attack, basically. Wait, and it was a kid trying to. It was a kid stabbing a soldier or a settler. A a soldier, apparently. That's what it. That's what it's. Okay, well, that's that's actually legitimately. um, Yeah, I mean, like an act of resistance. It's like not. That's the least terrorist thing that you can do. Actually, I know it is. It really is. Amazing. So let's talk about the hospital situation. Because we kind of, I think we stacked too many topics yeah. up. We're not going to cover them all. But I think this is a really important one because they seem particularly fixated on, like, they could have spent more energy trying to prove the beheaded babies thing. They mm-hmm, could have spent mm-hmm. more energy trying to prove the mass rape thing. They didn't. They just, like, wanted it to just become, like, a hyperbolic rallying cry. But they are spending a lot of energy, Abby, trying to prove that, and maybe you could tell me the name of the hospital, but a particular hospital that's come up in recent discussion a lot recently is actually a Hamas command center. Not that Hamas fighters uh, fighters have hid there, not that uh, there's weapons hid there from Hamas, but a Hamas command center. And it really does seem like, at least since this conflict started, some of the most focused theatrics the Israeli government has done so far in terms of the media space uh, to justify bombing more hospitals, aid workers, and basically things that they're not supposed to bomb. Because remember how much time we spent on arguing back and forth on if it was a Gaza or a Hamas rocket or you know an yep. IDF bomb that yep. blew up that other hospital? But now they're obviously just going for the play of like, well, we just we want to basically just bomb any hospital we want. So, like, what are you what are you coming after us, guys? These are all Hamas command centers. That's pretty much their line now. Um, but Abby, you were mentioning that rendering that they showed mm-hmm. of the Hamas command center. Do you yeah, remember what did you where think? What did from? you think when you saw that? I think it was from Netanyahu's account or like the official IDF account. What I thought when I saw that was this is an exact. It's almost like they're satirizing the the Tim Russert on Meet mm-hmm. the Press clip where Donald Rumsfeld shows the bunker, the Bin Laden bunker in the Afghanistan Tora Bora Mountains that never existed. The fake mm-hmm. huge fortress that looks like a a NORAD level, like high level US military like fortress in the mountains. Like that it would take like an incredible engineering. It's like effort. the it's like the show Silo. It's like acting like there's like a giant like 80 floor bunker. Mm-hmm. It's 
you know, it would be more laughable if they weren't actually trying to go for it. Part of me wants to kind of stand on my horse and be like, you guys are pathetic for even thinking this would work, but they're still doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it almost part of me, Abby wonders if part of what's going on here is similar to like what QAnon did to like just the people's, you know, tendency to believe in conspiracies or how they pass information to each other. It almost does seem like they don't care about putting out as much disinformation and misinformation as possible because it'll just confuse people more about what's actually going on over there in general. And I do feel like that almost is also probably a useful goal. I'm not saying that's part of their purpose, but it's almost like it doesn't matter if they're just shooting, you know, with for these like extremely hyperbolic narratives if they get shot down because it doesn't seem like they actually care about people even knowing what the truth is. They have no concern whatsoever. Um, no, it's a hundred percent the intention. No, 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 I, no, no, no. That is the intent. You think that is a hundred percent. And that's why they blamed the initial hospital bombing on an errant rocket because they want people to take away, Oh, I guess they're just killing each other. Right. I guess they have the means to kill this many people too. The fact that they claim that an errant rocket from Islamic Jihad or whatever blew up 500 people and that Palestinian resistance fighters have the capability to do that, that's the intent, to plant that seed into people's minds who maybe don't understand the actual reality. And that's what they remember from it. They're like, I don't even know what's going on, man. It seems really complicated. It seems like both of them are just like causing a bunch of deaths. Um, and that's, you know, and so and so when the dust clears and when the stenographer lapdog media, media pundits just repeat whatever the IDF is telling them, um, and then you have investigations like Channel 4 and Al Jazeera putting out the actual truth, which is, you know, they actually did the forensics on the audio recordings that were released by the Isra- Israeli military. And they were like, this is a fake recording. And it's like, what? Yeah. And so it just, it doesn't even matter at that point, but it's it's so cartoonish that they just want to overly complicate things for people who are just kind of passer buyers of like the news. They're not rapacious news consumers and so they just see things in passing. They see the headlines and they just don't mm-hmm. want to invest because they're like, this is just fucking complicated. And that's why they're told it's an ancient conflict. It's based on religion. It's Palestinians and Israelis just constantly fighting. They're both guilty. They're both responsible. They just hate each other. Um, and that's that's what they take away from it. They don't understand. It's just like one people who are just fully subjugated by another. So, yeah. I mean, when you look at the propaganda, it's, it's low grade and it almost seems cartoonish to the point where they aren't even trying. It's like because they know that the Western press will do whatever they want. They're not going to question what Israel does. And so they just throw as much disinfo out there. That has to be what the policy is, because why the fuck else are they doing this? Why are they releasing doctored fake audio recordings of Hamas people claiming that they have ambulances? Like, and the giant well, CGI rendering. I mean, what what is the intent of all of this if they're just going to go in and be like, oh, it wasn't even about Hamas? Like, at the end of the day, after they raided the hospital, they were just like, yeah, this was just about, like, like sh- a show of force. Like, they just admitted that there was no Hamas command center after all that. Well, but I was just going to say, they spent a long time basically trying to suggest that there was at least a tunnel complex being used by Hamas under the hospital. Apologies for the abrupt ending there. 
We decided to split this episode into two parts because I'm basically going to do another hour just continuing the same topic. So make sure to listen to part two of this episode where we jump right back into the discussion. And if you have any money to spare this holiday season, we know it's difficult for a lot of people, so we do not expect it. But if you're able to, please consider supporting Media Roots Radio via Patreon at patreon.com slash Radio. And if you sign up as a subscriber, you get access to over 50 hours of exclusive content and podcast episodes that are not available publicly. Thank you very much. 